Well, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 7. We're continuing, of course, our study of God's judgment on the earth by the means of the flood. And, of course, God told Noah to build this ark and the judgment was coming. And what we really see is a dual thing here. That there's judgment, which is the flood, but there's grace because there's safety in the ark. It's very powerful. This evening we're going to see the flood and the destruction of the water, but we're going to also see the grace of God in the salvation of Noah and his family. So they all tie together. And as we think about this, there's a couple of questions I want to raise. One, where did all this water come from? And then second, was this a worldwide flood? Because there's some people who say it wasn't a worldwide flood. It was where like Noah lived and those people right there was like the valley. And so he decided to flood where those were. But if you read the scripture carefully, it appears as you read the scripture that it's a worldwide flood. So that's the question we'll look at this evening and we'll see the judgment in the grace. Let's begin with a prayer and then we'll we'll get right into it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for each one who has come. Thank you for the opportunity to study the Bible. Lord, just teach us as we look through the book of Genesis and we see the things that are happening there and the flood and Noah and your grace to him and the judgment on the earth. And So Lord, we just ask you that you would teach us. Thank you that in Jesus Christ and in him alone is eternal life and that life is simply by faith. We thank you, Lord, that when we believe in Jesus Christ, you give to us the gift of eternal life. Thank you. Lord, we ask you to teach us now as we study. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, people talk about what is this world coming to? As we look around us, it seems to be getting worse and worse. Jesus stated this. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. In the days of Noah, there were the thought and intent of man was evil. In fact, wickedness and evil. And God promised judgment. What is our world coming to? We live in a world, in a sense, really much like the world described in Genesis. It's attractive and deadly at the same time. G. Campbell Morgan, a famous scholar, said this. He said, the world is an attractively wrapped package with lures aimed at even the most committed believer. The worldview is very subtle. The world's view is very subtle and deadly. Think about it. There's self-gratification because what the world really says, you got to put yourself first because if you don't put yourself first, they'll just run all over you. So you better look out for yourself. Nobody else is. The world says that security comes through materialism. The more that you have, the more secure you are. The more money you have, the more possessions you have. The world says that's going to make you safe. The world says you need a God-free conscience and the fact that that you you decide what you think is right or wrong and that there shouldn't be things that bother you in the sense you you choose for yourself and then the autonomy of man is that that man rules his own life and that uh, man is the center of everything well the world is mixed up i read an article in daily oklahoman this has been a few years ago but here's what this person wrote and they said you know the same social forces that insist that children should read catcher in the rye somehow believe that it is dangerous for these same school children to read the word of god Advocates of abortion on demand ignore the word of God concerning the unborn life and want to compel taxpayers to pay for the destruction of that life. We live in a mixed up world. We live in a world that I remember it was two years ago or three years ago that they were willing, the baseball, pro baseball team was willing to pay a man $5.6 million to play when the year before he was suspended for using cocaine and missed the last half of the season. So that they decided they would reward him for that action by paying him $5.6 million a year. Gary Bauer and, and James Dobson in their book Children at Risk talk about a contrast between 1960 and now. And here's what they say. In 1960, everyone knew the family was a husband and wife with or without children. But today, politicians can agree what the family is. One group pushes a family means any group who thinks of itself as a family. In the 1960s, religion was considered positive. Children routinely begin school with a prayer or a moment of silence. Nowadays, any public display of religion is attacked I can still remember going into a, a meeting 
on campus of the religious leaders on campus and the leader of that group said we would like to ask you if you're if you're called on to pray anytime at OSU we're going to ask you not to use the name of Jesus we don't want to offend anyone in 1960 out of wed out of wedlock pregnancy was a shame but nowadays the movie stars are all having illegitimate children and that was makes it fine makes it fine for everybody 1960 homosexuality was in the closet and considered a mental disorder or dysfunctional Today, gays' rights say that we are a very powerful group and we, we, we have the right to do what we want to do. 1960, schools began with the Pledge of Allegiance. Sometimes there's the burning of the flag as the form of free speech, but we need to take uh, God out of our pledge. What's the world coming to? As we think of the world in the days of Noah, realize that God judged the world. Peter says it was the world that perished. God brought judgment one day. God will bring judgment even on our world. This evening, we're going to talk about the flood. We're going to see God's judgment on the world in the days of Noah. And, and we saw last time the instructions. God came to Noah and said, I want you to build this ship, this ark. It was, it's like a big box. It was like a barge. It was 450 feet long, five stories high, three decks. Had a window going all the way around, a door, rooms all inside. In fact, the word rooms, for the word rooms is the word for nest. And so we had this fixed, and it would be a place of judgment and a place of refuge. There would be judgment outside and refuge within. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. The ark is that Noah was safe in the ark just as we are safe in Jesus Christ. There's a judgment coming on all the world, and all who are in Christ will be saved from that judgment. In chapter 6, verse 8, God said, it talked about Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and God was going to make a covenant with him and going to protect him, and, and uh, God has a promise to save mankind. And God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. Notice how we ended. Now, it's been a while because we've had different things on Sunday night during the summer and holidays and special speakers and everything else and fellowship suppers. But notice how it ended, chapter 6, verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. I think one of the things that stands out about Noah was that he was a man who obeyed God. And I think that's a thing that, that I wish would be characteristic of me or characteristic of you, that we would say we are men and women who obey God. And when we see the Word of God, when it says a certain thing, we choose to live by that. We live by the Word of God. Let me give you just sort of a brief outline of this chapter. It, it's uh, Even though it's a long chapter, we're going to divide it this way. In verses 1 through 9, they're going to enter the ark. And then verses 10 through 24, here comes the flood and everything. The water rises. And we really, you know, we're just getting into it at the end of the chapter. Next week, or when we go through it, we're going to go through the days to show you how many days they were on the ark and how it was and how many months and all of those different things and uh, we'll see how it fits together. Notice chapter 7 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. Now the Lord said, this is how Noah knew what to do because God continually gave him information and Noah followed the commands of God. This is, this is how we know what we're supposed to do, we're to follow the commands of God found in the word of God. One of the things we're going to do for the college retreat, we're going to talk about knowing the will of God. And the bottom line, the will of God is found in the Word of God. And we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about how do we make decisions when you don't have information from the Scripture. And we'll see that in that retreat. It's going to be a lot of fun. He says, God said, to, uh, the Lord said to Noah, enter the ark. The Literally, the Hebrew means to come. It's an invitation. Come into the ark. Come into the ark as a place of safety and salvation. That's why Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are, here, that are weary and, and heavy laden, I will give you the rest, the rest of salvation. We notice that the household, he says, you and your household. The household was eight people. 
Noah and his wife and his three sons and their three wives. And he noticed, he says, I've seen you to be righteous before me. Righteous. Noah was a believer. Righteousness comes by faith. Every one of us in this room, if you have believed in Jesus Christ, and as I look out, I know every one of you, you've believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You are righteous people. You are righteous people. You have believed in Christ, and God has given to you His righteousness, which comes by faith. So you'd be righteous people in the same way that Noah was a righteous person as well. Righteousness comes by faith. Look at the instructions. You shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens, and a male and his female, and of the animals that are not clean too, a male and a female. Also of the birds of the sky by sevens, male and female, to keep offspring alive on the face of the earth. You go, what, what, what is he going? I thought, I thought we were just going to get two of every animal. That's what it sounds like. But then you notice he says you're going to take of every clean animal. A, what's the difference between a clean animal and an unclean animal? Some, the clean animals they used for what? Some of the sacrifices. Well, listen, if you only have two and you're going to have a sacrifice, that would be the end of that group, right? So he says what I want you to do is you're going to take seven of the clean animals because there's going to be some sacrifices. Because one of the ways that they showed that their act of worship was a sacrifice. And, and so he says, take seven of the clean animals, two of the unclean animals, birds, seven, and all that, that, everything's on the face of the earth. That's the plan. Seven of the clean, two of the unclean. These are the sacrifices. Now, when, you know, have you ever thought about it? That when the very first sin happened, the man, Adam, Adam and the woman, they ran and hid, and then when God made the provision for them, he killed an animal. Shed the blood, gave them the coats of skin. And, and we said back then, wow, that was, boy, that, that wasn't good for the animal at all. That was not a good day, right? First thing ever died, in fact. And we said, you know, it's amazing. He killed this innocent animal because of what Adam and, and the woman, Adam and Eve, had done. And it shows us the horror of sin. Because the wages of sin is death. And we realize that Jesus Christ had to die in our place, the horribleness of him going to the cross, we're seeing it on Sunday mornings, we're looking at the gospel of Luke, going through the trials, about to go to the cross, he's going to die for us, it shows us the consequences and horror of sin, think about sin, it's always against God, it has judgment and discipline and is never alone, think about it, it is always against God, even David sinned in the psalm, he writes, against you and you only have I sinned, that's when he had the sin with Bathsheba. So sin is against God. Now, it may affect other people, but it is against God. All sin is. Second, there's judgment and discipline. Uh, that There's always the aspect of judgment and discipline. There's a reaping and sowing in every aspect. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Even today, you have the sins are already paid for. The judgment's been poured out on Jesus Christ. And yet there are consequences in our lives when we sin. Because the wages of sin is death. There is a the separation of the Father in, in, uh, in the fellowship aspect. And there are the consequences of sin. There always is. The third thing, it's never alone. It's never in a vacuum. Whenever you sin, what you do not only affects you and affects your relationship with God, but it affects your relationship with other people. When we have sin in our lives, we don't want to be around other believers. That's why when people sometimes get sin in their lives, they drop, they've been going to church and then they get sin in their lives and they drop out. People say, what happened to, to, to Ralph? What happened to Joe? I don't know. They, they just quit coming. Arthur W. Pink said, we must be impressed by God's hatred of sin. We can't ever take it lightly and make excuses for it. You think about it. When we sin, it's against God. 
expect discipline, it's going to affect others besides us. If you think, if we think that what we do wrong only affects us, we're fooling ourselves. It'll affect every other relationship around you. Especially the closer the relationships to you, the more they'll be affected. What happens here? The entire world, because of the sin of mankind, is going to perish. Now, I don't think any of those animals did anything wrong. But every one of them died. Every one of them. Verse 4. For after, and this is God saying, for after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. Why? He's showing the consequences of sin. He's showing that, that man is, is sinful and that he's going to blot him out. For seven more days. He's, what he's going to do is he's going to tell them to get on the ark. And they're going to be on the ark for seven days. And after they're on the ark for seven days, he's going to shut the door and bring the rain. So they're going to be on the ark. Seven days, and then as we will look next week, how many days after he starts the flood, how many, after he starts the rain, how many days are they on it? And we'll see the whole thing, how, how many days they're on the ark. And it's a long, long time. It, it's amazing. I remember, uh, I'd always heard, you know, it rained 40 days and 40 nights, and that's correct. In fact, that's what he says here, I'll bring rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And most people almost assume that, obviously, 40 days and 40 nights, when the rain stopped, they got off and everything was fine. But you've got to realize that uh, we're going to see that it took 150 days for the water to get to its height. And then it's going to go back down. So it's pretty powerful. He's going to blot out everything that he created. He is fulfilling his promise. Going back to chapter 6 where he said, uh, the, the evil of man was continual. God was sorry that he made man. He says, I will blot out every I blot man whom I've created from the face of the earth. From man to animals to creeping things to birds of the sky. I'm sorry that I made them. That's chapter 6 verse 7. He's going to fulfill his promise. Whatever God promises, he does. Look at verse 5. Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. What kind of man was Noah? He was an obedient man. He did what God said. If we want to be men and women who are going to make an impact for Jesus Christ, we need to do what he says. We need to obey the scripture. All of us in this room would say, well, but, but we mess up. Yeah, we do. We do mess up. And we can't. First of all, we can't say it doesn't matter whether we mess up or not because we all mess up. The truth is, we all mess up, and yet we've got to deal with it, and we've got to realize the, the destruction of sin in our lives. The destruction of sin in our lives. He says, so Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. He got the animals and his family on the ark. Now, we know that... Uh, from our study, from chapter 6 and now chapter 7, we'll see that uh, when time came, Noah did not have to go find the animals. God said, I will bring those animals to you. And he did. And they got them on the ark. Salvation comes by faith. They believed God. If you go back to Hebrews chapter, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, it's the hall of fame of faith, and it said, by faith Noah built the ark. Noah believed that God, when God said, I'm going to bring a flood upon the earth and destroy the earth, and I'm, I want you to build the ark, and I want you to get in there, and it's going to be your place of safety. He believed God. And that's our salvation for us, is we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And we put our faith in Him. Notice verse 6. Now Noah was 600 years old when the flood of water came upon the earth. If you go back to chapter 5, verse 32, Noah is 500 years old. It's been a hundred years since we first saw him. It took at least a hundred years to build the ark 
People talk about how did it work? It took about a hundred years to build the ark, put that whole thing together. I mean, it was it's huge. You remember we talked about it, and we talked it when we when we were studying this in the summer. We were in the auditorium, and you most of you know the big auditorium over there. And if you talk about the ark, that auditorium is like a hundred and something, about a hundred feet long. The ark was four hundred and fifty feet long. Just picture that, how big that build, how big that thing was that they built. And it was like five stories high, 45 to 50 feet high. So it was a huge, huge thing, and it took a while to build it. Now, verse 7, watch. Then Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him entered the ark because of the flood, the water of the flood. Of clean animals and animals that are not clean and birds and everything that creeps on the ground, there went into the ark to Noah by twos, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. Now, they're entering the ark just as God said, both the clean and the unclean, the, unclean, the, the clean for the sacrifice. They, they believed the flow was coming, and they got on the ark. We know that a judgment is coming because the wages of sin is death, but Jesus Christ has already died for us. We trust in Him. Noah believed God. Abraham believed God. David believed God. Joseph believed God. We believe God. It's always by faith. Watch verse 10. It came about after the seven days. Remember he said, get on the ark, and seven days later I'm going to bring the flood. They got on the ark with all the animals, seven days. You, you think, wonder why they, uh, why, why would he let them get on the ark for seven days before he ever started anything? I think he wanted to get used to the ark. I think he would say, look, you're gonna, you better get used to this place. You're going to be here for a while. And so I think he put them on there, and they, they, they realized this was going to be their home. It's going to be their home for more than a year. This was going to be their place of safety. And so the water is going to come. It says it came about after the seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth. And so the question that is often asked, if it comes up there, uh, where did the water come from? Where did all this water come from? And, 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 and so notice verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were opened. Two places, the fountains of the deep, water just exploded up out of the ground. It was a great catastrophe. Water didn't just seep up out of the ground. It exploded out of the ground. There were all kind of catastrophes and turnovers and the floodgates of heaven were open. Uh, best that we can tell, that canopy, that, that cloud cover that had been around the earth that we saw in the description of chapter 1 and 2 of the creation of the world. The water came from the sky and and just flooded everything. Water came up out of the ground. Water came from the sky. Um, it, you know, scientists from the Institute of Creation Research talk about this vapor. And when the water fell, great changes came upon the earth. There had been that greenhouse effect, the uniform temperature. And it was just amazing. Uh, you know, it was just amazing what happened. And so, now, the, what, the one thing I, I want you to notice is it's the 600th year of Noah's life, second month, 17th day. That's when they got on the ark. We're going to see at the end, what, 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 what year was it? Was it going to be the 601st year and the second month and how many days? I mean, so we can be able to tell how many days they were on the ark. Now, from the time the flood started, when it tells right there, 600, and, uh, 600 years, uh, second month, 17th day. Remember, they've already been on the ark for seven days. So we'll have to add that in when we get to the end. So there's, there's some amazing things that are about to happen the rain's going to come on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Water's going to come up out of the ground for 40 days and 40 nights. Water's going to fall from the sky for 40 days and 40 nights. It's just going to be unbelievable. Now, we know what it's like 
in certain places where it'll rain, and it'll rain six or eight inches, maybe eight to ten inches very fast. I mean, there's just flooding everywhere. People going, the water's just rising everywhere. Our little section here, there have been times in history, of course, they fixed the bridge and they fixed the water, but I can still remember in the early days in 1985, 86, 87, when I first came, if we got a, a pretty big rain, that whole part was flooded, right? They couldn't get to the church. The bridge would be covered. The world would be covered. 19th and Western would be covered. And sometimes it still is. It was last year, but uh, it, it's gotten a lot better. And so we say, well, that's just a little water. What if it rained for 40 days and 40 nights and it wasn't just rain dripping out of the sky? We're talking about flooding out of the sky and water flooding up out of the ground. Huge. So look what it says. The rain fell upon the earth, this is verse 12, for 40 days and 40 nights. On that very same day, Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth and the sons of Noah and Noah's wives and three wives of the sons with them entered the ark. They, they and every beast after its kind and all the animal after their kind and every creeping thing after the creeps on the earth after its kind and every bird after its kind. So they went into the ark to Noah by twos of all the flesh in which there was the breath of life. They all got into the ark. The breath of life. Now, things that didn't need air, fish and things that and animals in the water, they, they, they survived. But notice verse 16. Those that entered, male and female of all flesh, entered as God had commanded him, and the Lord closed it behind him. The Lord is the one that put him on the ark, and when he started the flood, he closed the door. It's a picture of God's safety. In fact, when you think about it, God shut the door. The next slide tells us that as God is saved, God in his grace chose Noah. God told him to build the ark. God puts him in and shuts him in. He told him how to build it. He told him how to be a protection. The ark is the place of safety. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Noah, during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. It was the place of salvation. That's what it was. And, you know, you wonder, what, what was it like? Outside of that ark. I mean, you, you may have been somewhere and just the ground exploded with water coming up and water coming out of the sky. And, you know, if you have this idea that people maybe survive for weeks, I don't think so. I think people died rapidly on this flood because it wasn't just like little rain and suddenly the water beginning to get a little higher. It was explosions. The fountains of the deep burst open is how it says. And the water just poured from the sky. And I think it was very, very rapid. Of course, 40 days and 40 nights for it to happen. God has always got his place of safety. You know, you realize that besides the ark, you get into the, you get up uh, to the nation of Israel into the land. And if a person accidentally killed somebody, now not on purpose killed somebody, but accidentally killed somebody, there was a city, there were six of them called the cities of, anybody know what it's called? The cities of what? Refuge. So you could go and be safe. God always has a place of refuge. And for us, we have a place of refuge. We flee to who? Jesus Christ. He's our place of refuge. He's our Savior. So notice verse 17. Then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days, and the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. Suddenly the ark, there's enough water now that the ark begins to float. And, and now it's a boat. Now it's a big barge is what it is. And uh, we're going to see that the mountains are going to be covered and all of these things. And, and so here they are on this boat. And you can just imagine, you know, that thing is moving. And this, it's thunder and rain and, you know, heavy things. It was just amazing. 
the water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. Do you know if you're, it's one thing, if you're building something for somebody else, you may not do as great a job as if you're building something for you, for your protection. Do you know when, uh, when they were, re- when Nehemiah and they were going to build the, ball, the, the wall around Jerusalem? You remember what he had them do? He had each family build the wall closest to their house so that they're going to build it the best they can build it to keep the enemy out at their house. And when Noah built this ark, I guarantee you he's fixing this baby where it's not going to leak because he knows it's the place of refuge. The water prevailed, verse 18, increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water, and the water prevailed more and more upon the earth, so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. All the high mountains. Not the mountain in that valley, not that little section, not where they lived, but all the high mountains were covered. All the high mountains everywhere under the Heavens recovered. Does that sound to you like something local, or does that sound to you like something that was worldwide? What do you think? Huh? It sounds worldwide, doesn't it? It didn't say. It didn't say some of the mountains. It said every mountain and the water. Verse twenty. The water prevailed fifteen cubits higher, and the mountains recovered. Do you realize that the all of the mountains recovered completely? Everything. Over seventeen thousand. Feet of water? Where did all that water come from? Came from up out of the ground and out of the sky. Some people say it, it was it was it was really just a local flood. Well if it was a local flood and just the people died in Noah's area, here's some questions. If it was just a local flood, why didn't God just move Noah? Why didn't he say, Okay, you ate I want y'all to move over to here because I'm fixing to flood the valley and get all these people. But that's not what he said. If it was just a local flood, why does it say, number two, why does it say that all people and all animals died? Why didn't it just say some of the people died, some of the animals? It says all people, all animals. The third thing is it says it covered all the mountains. It didn't say it covered some of the mountains. It didn't say it covered a couple of the mountains. It said it covered every mountain. This next one, he says, I will never do this again. That's what he says. Now, if it was a local flood... He's flooded locally a lot of times. So if it was only a local flood, then God has lied. Because God said, I will never do what I have done again. And yet, uh, there are people who will say, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it was local. Other portions of scripture say that it was a worldwide flood. Jesus talks about it. Jesus talked about Noah and the ark and the flood. Peter says, talks about the world that perished. He didn't say that section of the world that perished. He didn't say certain people that perished. He says the entire world perished. Be careful, there are many people who claim to be scholars. And that's what I'll tell you, when you turn on the TV, and usually when a person on TV is the Bible scholar, that means he's the liberal who doesn't hold to the Scripture. They don't have the guys that really believe the Bible to come on there and talk. They have the people who don't believe the Bible. And if you turn on mysteries of the Bible, be careful because the guy is going to say, you know, it, it, they walked across the Red Sea because it was, you know, really shallow and it wasn't a worldwide flood and we don't think there was a Jonah and, and yeah, no, no human being could actually live inside the belly of a fish. And I mean, they have come up with everything you can come up with, but you know, who, who said that, who said that as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth? Who said that? Jesus said that. So I think Jesus would, would probably know. And not that guy from Harvard Divinity School, okay? 
even though it costs a lot to go there, you don't get what you pay for. <laughs> That's true. The Bible says it was universal. The whole world perished. Verse 21. All flesh that moved on the ground, all flesh that moved in the earth perished, birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind of all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life died. The wages of sin is what? Death. We see God's judgment. It is a universal truth. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. God said to Noah, in the day that you eat from that tree, die and you shall... Excuse me, he said to Adam, in the day that you eat from that tree, die and you shall surely die. That's the beginning. And it's a truth. And human beings come in the world dead in trespasses and sins. And if something doesn't happen, if we do not believe in Jesus Christ, we will not have righteousness, we will not have forgiveness, and we will not have eternal life. All three of those come by faith. Jesus Christ has died on the cross and already paid for the sins of mankind. The payment of sin does not equal salvation. Faith equals salvation. Notice verse 23. Thus, here's God fulfilling his word. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land. From man to animals to creeping things to birds of the sky. And they were blotted out from the earth. And only Noah was left together with those who were with him in the ark. These are pretty sad words. Most of you, if you grew up in church, you have heard of Noah and the flood and the ark and all of that all of your life. I did not hear of it all my life. I did not know much about it. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't read the Bible. I never went to church but two times, once when I was six and then when I was twelve. So when I started at age 19, starting to read the Bible, all of this was pretty much new to me. And I I was fairly amazed that God destroyed the whole world and destroyed everything. I mean, do you realize the consequences of sin? And do we take this lightly? And then he says, the water prevailed upon the earth 150 years. Days. 150 days. There is no salvation outside the ark. There is also no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Because the ark is a picture of Christ. Now there was no physical salvation outside the ark. The only way you could be saved physically was getting that ark. That came by faith. The only way you can have spiritual salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. 150 days. The water prevailed upon the earth for 150 days. Now, we stop in that chapter and you say, well, what what happened? Well, just remember how chapter 8 begins by saying, but God remembered Noah and the beasts and the cattle that were with him. You know that uh, he didn't tell him. Best I can tell, if you look at the passages and you read it, he didn't say, now Noah, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you on the ark. I'm going to let it rain 40 days, 40 nights. I'm going to probably let you stay on there 350, 370 days, and then I'll get you off. He didn't say that. He just said, it's going to rain 40 days and 40 nights. I'm putting you on that ark, and everything on this earth is going to die. Do you think they thought it was going to be a year? 
How long do you think they thought? They might have thought a month. They might have thought it's going to rain real bad. Everybody's going to drown and then we're going to get out of here. And it's a month and it's two months and it's three months and it's four months and it's five months and it's six months and it just keeps going. And maybe they begin to think, you don't think he's forgotten us, do you? Open up that little window thing and look out and see what's happening, right? It says, God remembered Noah. And you know what? He never forgets you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. You don't have to worry. He remembers everything. He knows everything about you. Loves you. Created you. Loves you with an everlasting, unconditional love. What have we seen? No one in his family entered the ark in the 600th year, second month, uh, in the 17th day. God shut the door. Brought the flood. God's faithful to judge. God's faithful to save. The ark is the picture of Jesus Christ. God's place of refuge and salvation. Now let me give you some applications just to think about. Is uh, God both judges and saves. I mean, we think about it. That's what he does. Understand the consequences of sin. The wages of sin is death. The entire world perished because of the sin and the wickedness of man. God judges sin. He does. Why? Because it's always against God. There's always judgment and discipline connected with it. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that all shall reap. If you sow to the flesh, what do you reap? Corruption and destruction. Uh, he judges sin always against God. It's judgment and discipline. And sin affects others. It always does. It's the way it is. Now, in that same way, God provides the way of salvation. It's in Jesus Christ. And he provides that salvation for us. He has a provision. It was the ark. He has a provision. It is Jesus Christ. He is the place of refuge. Uh, he is our Savior. He died and rose again. He paid for sin. He's the only one that can save. Isaiah 53. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray, each one our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He has done it. Second thing. Realize that God keeps his word. He is faithful to judge. I will blot out. He is faithful to save. I will make a covenant. So he's faithful to judge and faithful to save. God keeps his word. And that's why when he says to us, that the wages of sin is death, it's death. When he says the soul that sins shall die, it dies. If he says, uh, I give unto you eternal life, what do you, what do you get? Thank you. It's a little bit louder now. <laughs> uh, what do you get if he says, I give you eternal life? You get eternal life. We go to the Bible, we base our life on the truths of the Scripture. May we understand the consequences of sin. And may we come to the provision, Jesus Christ, basing our lives on the unchanging Word of God. Let's pray, and then we'll have the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for these great truths. Thank you for your love and grace and blessing to us. Lord, we just ask you as we think about the book of Genesis, and we think about the flood, and we think about the, the, the judgment, and at the same time we think about your grace. Lord, in our own lives we realize that the wages of sin is death. You have poured out your judgment on Jesus Christ, our Savior. He is our substituting, is our sacrifice. May we never take it for granted. Thank you for your grace to us. In Jesus, you give to us eternal life as a gift. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.